Amen. This morning, I'm going to just read a portion. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. If you know anything about me, I, I love adventure. I love to uh, read. It. I, I, I'm a prolific reader. I read either two to three books a week, not because I'm bored. It's just what I like to do. Uh, before I became a Christian, I didn't read one book except Go Dog Go. And uh, that's about, that was the extent of my Dr. Seuss uh, vocabulary. And uh, when, I, when I got saved, I just had a sensational appetite just to know more about God. And, you know, I love reading my Bible. I, I, you know, I make it a daily thing that I read my Bible. I don't just read my Bible to get a sermon. I know a lot of people do that or get a message or to tell somebody something. I read my Bible because I want to know more about God. And it's amazing. Uh, I've been knowing the Lord this week, this past week, on the 15th of this this past week, I've been saved for 37 years. And, um, you know, and the incredible thing is about that is, is that God's been faithful, even when I've been faithless. And I thank God for his word. And the first day that I began to open his word and see what God can speak and that he was alive, he was real, that he wanted to give me something fresh. It's like the old bread commercial. If it ain't fresh, it ain't worth it. Come on. And, uh, you know, for, and I just see the freshness of God. And this morning, I want to read from 2 Samuel. And if you know anything about King David, one of my favorite portions, that David had 33 mighty men. He had three that were his top guys, and he had 30 that were in his mighty men. And one, I want to talk about the guy that was not in the three, but he was more respected than the three, and, but he was in the 30, but he had more honor than the 30, and his name was uh, Benaiah. And, and you go, I've never heard that name, but I'm going to share a story with you. And I'm going to read, go ahead and read in 2 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to read from verse 20 to 23. And it says, there was also Benaiah, the son of Jediah, uh, a, violent, a, violent, a valiant warrior from Kabzil. Uh, and he did many heroic deeds, and including killing two champions or heroes uh, of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, he armed, once armed only with a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these, Benaniah, as famous as the three mightiest warriors, he was more honored than any other members of the 30, though he was not only... But though he was not not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. In other words, you got to know a little bit about David and a little bit about, let me give you a little backdrop. What happened is we know that King David was in the, in the court. You know that he killed Goliath. He became the son-in-law of uh, Samuel, uh, Saul. And part of that, you know, you imagine 14, 15 years old and two things that get promised to you that you'll win a girl. You know, the, 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 the king's beautiful daughter, and the Bible says she was beautiful in face and form. That's what we call a Bible babe. She was fine. And not only that, but he would, have, he would be in the king's table. And you don't tell a 15-year-old that's jacked up on hormones that he can have a Bible babe. You know what I mean? So we know that he went with the power of God in hormones and took out Goliath. And we know that he was a champion. But what happened is that what happened, Saul began to become jealous because when he came in on one of the parades after going to battle, and they said Saul kills his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And something reached in the heart of Saul that he began to become jealous of King David. 
But David, and he chased, I mean, David would play the harp to smooth them, to, to, to kind of smooth Saul's torment, and he began to throw spears at him. He ran for his life. In the midst of that, he had all these guys that were in debt, that were destitute, and all these guys that were, that were from this kind of background. And they became David's mighty men. While, David, while Saul was eating in the palace, in the comfort of sleeping in the palace, eating the palace's food, what made David's mighty men? You know what made David's mighty men? They were sleeping in caves. They were hunting for their own food. They became, they became desperate. And I believe that many times in our own personal lives, sometimes we despise what we're facing, what we're going through, but it's God building you into a mighty man and a mighty woman in those moments of desperation, those moments of leanness. Come on. Yeah, I can remember when we first started the church in Jennings, and people would call and say, you're not going to be, why are you here? You know, blah, 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 all these different things. And I said, God sent me. I had one guy, are you called? And I go, well, I was sent. I said, what's the difference between called and sent? And I can look back, and, and all those times in our first year, I remember our first Sunday, we had 19 people. Now on weekends, this past weekend, we had 20, 1,200 people in our three campuses. Isn't that incredible? Give God the glory for that. But I look at, at the beginnings, and they were lean, they were hard, they were difficult. The first two years, it was, I, I thought about quitting maybe 20 times a day. I had other churches want me to come and be, be their pastor, and I'm like, I'm tempted. But I made a commitment. I said, God, you called me here, and I'm not leaving until you call me out. And I look at the mighty men, and I think that what happens, you know, for many of us, we need to, we need to quit living as if, if the purpose of our life is to arrive safely to death. What do you mean, Pastor? I think sometimes we need to run to the roar. What does that mean? God-sized goals. What does that mean? Purpose. Whatever your God-given passion is, go after your dream. That, that, that is it's destined to fail without divine intervention. Come on. If you have a dream that's bigger than yourself, that's good because you need divine intervention. What is divine intervention? That means you need God's help no matter where you go. Thank you for all those amens. But for many of us, we need God's help. How I many you know? I mean, stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Well, you know, I don't know. You don't know, you don't know what I went through. You don't know, no, you don't know what I went through. You know, I come from a divorced, divorced family. I come from dysfunction. I, I got kicked out of school. I could go down the list, but that doesn't make me have an excuse what I cannot do. That makes me go, God, you can do anything. If I put my trust in you, in my weakness, you are made strong. And see, it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. If someone says, well, you got this, you got that, you got this. I've learned this. I had dyslexia when I was a kid. That's why I didn't read. But you know what? You know what I found out when I started reading about things? Because I do read now. You, you begin to learn to compensate in different areas and you become stronger in other areas and other people that can read. You understand what I'm saying? That God always helps us to compensate. It doesn't matter if someone puts a label on you. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. You see, grab opportunity by the main and don't let it go. You know what? It's like live like today is your first and your last day of your life. See, you gotta, sometimes we've got to learn to burn sinful bridges to blaze new trails. 
And what does that mean, Pastor Bubba? That means we need to stop making excuses and quit living in your mud and your mala and feeling sorry for yourself and quit singing the song to yourself. Oh, I'm just, just, you don't know what I've gone through. No, I don't, but God knows what he can get you out of. Live for the, live for the applause of, of the nail-scarred hands. The applause of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. How do we live for the applause of one? Don't let what, what is wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. What do you mean by that? You know, I believe this. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit, quit holding back. Quit running away. So I have four things I want to share with you because I believe that if you ran, let's think about it. That Benaiah ran after a lion. I've been in Africa. I just got back two weeks ago. I was with some lions, not in the cage with them, but outside the cage with some. I saw real African lions eat real animals. I've been on safaris where you hear them roar at night. And when they roar, what does that mean? Because it shows a lion, when it begins to roar, it shows its dominance. Because everything else freezes. Oh, shoot. Because it shows its dominance, but its authority as the king of the jungle. You see, I know this. 2,000 years ago, there was a roar at the tomb. And it came. And Jesus, the Lion of Judah, just like we sang with the first song, he made a roar to allow the enemies of this world to let them know that no longer it's time you're on notice. I've come to conquer, and not only that, I've come to give my authority to my children. You imagine that roar on that day? Come on, freak out! In other words, the Lion of Judah lives in us. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. You know, I, I can't get out of my mind, but last night I had a dream, and I just couldn't keep, I couldn't get in. God's been speaking to me, and, and I had a prophetic word given to me a year ago, and, and it's like last night I, I just started thinking about it more and more and more because a couple of weeks ago I got diagnosed. They found three spots in me, and if you know anything, I had stage four cancer. They gave me 21 months to live. I've been living six years, okay? And so... Here's the thing. Sometimes you got to learn to chase the lions in your life. You know, I, I got to report two of the spots are not cancer. Praise God. The other one we're going to see. Well, we'll hit it head on. You see, I'm not afraid. See, what you have to do is you have to learn. Quit running away. You have to learn to be a person that learns to chase lions. You see, let me tell you something. The greatest poser in the universe is the devil. Because it says he comes like a lion. In other words, he's a poser. Rawr! Oh, God! Now, get fearful. You know, such and such. You get this news, all of a sudden, fear guts on you. Oh, throw it away. Hello? Fear means this. It's false evidence appearing real. That's what fear means. In other words, quit allowing the false evidence. You see, the enemy will throw things at you. That's what you just got to go. Well, God, that's what he said. What you got to say? Rawr! I am the Lion of Judah. Let's take dominance and use my authority in whatever your circumstance is. You got to learn to chase lions. There's two kinds of courage. Napoleon Bonaparte said there's two kinds of courage. This is regular courage, and there's 2 o'clock in the morning courage. 
And not many generals have two o'clock in the morning courage. And most so the rarest attribute among generals is two o'clock in the morning courage. That means when you're tired, you kind of can't see straight, but you go, I'm going for it. You don't know all the ins and outs. Are y'all with me this morning? You see, you see, the rare that's the Benaniah, his life was never the same after chasing the lion. Think about it. The same is true for you and me. Whatever the greatest fear, I mean, your natural instinct says if you hear a lion roar and you see him run. Come on. It doesn't say run after him, but can you imagine being Aniah? He saw a lion, he heard it roar. Instead of running away from the lion, he ran to him. You imagine the lion, he went, oh shoot, no one does this. But he was in the pit, in a pit. With the lion, not just like the lion got ran in. I don't know if he fell in the pit when he began to run away. He, he was in the pit with a lion on a snowy day. You imagine lions have natural cleats, but in the snow they can't get a grip. You imagine that's like you being in a duck blind with a water moccasin on a muddy day. I've been there. I guide people. I mean, I've, had, I've been in the blinds where snakes show up. I've had little alligators in the blind before. And you're there, what that, you know? You just do what you got to do. You see, I just believe this. You're one idea, you're one risk away from a totally different lifestyle. Every one of us are. You imagine, how many of you like the plaque on your wall, lion chaser? Come on. When someone walks by and goes, brother, that... Boy, she's bad to the bone. What do you mean? You know, there's a tribe in Africa, and Brother Keith told me, my spiritual grandfather, they're, they're, the one thing I want to get when I go from it, I want to get a lion spike. A lion spike is what a tribe called the Messiah tribe, what they use is when they go to go into manhood, they got to go kill a lion. How many of you know that's a different breed of guy? When you're 12 years old, you got, they throw you out, and your manhood is go get a lion. And they give you a lion spike, and what a lion spike is a, is, is a bone of a cow that's about like this, and you can put your hand in the middle of it, and you run up to the lion. I don't know how you do it, but you put your hand in the lion's mouth, and you use the lion spike, and the lion can't go, his, his mouth is stuck. And then you imagine him, that lion's not too happy. Don't you think if someone puts something in your mouth and you can't chew a piece of boudin? Come on. I know some people kill. But what they do is they do that. Brother Keith told me one time he met a young guy and he had a scar across his face down his chest because he was part of that tribe. But he did kill his lion, but he had the mark of the lion on him for the rest of his life. And when people saw him, he said, that's a lion boy right there. I don't know if that's what they called him, but I can imagine. You imagine you'd walk differently. You'd talk differently. You would act differently. Let me ask you something. Are you chasing the lions that the enemy's throwing at your life? Remember, he's a poser. Say it with me. He's the devil's a poser. We just let you know that. No, you, down there. Of course, it will it most likely be the toughest decision you'll ever make. You see, you may have to take... A huge risk. But if, you, if your dream doesn't scare you, your dream's too small. I mean, literally, I had a dream last night, and I saw what Pastor Jim had spoke to me a year ago. I'm going back to it. 
And in my dream, I saw what he said. And I was coming here. I mean, it was all last night. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And then something else happened. And it's like I had two dreams that were significant. And I can't, go, I can't go into all the details, but I'm just telling you. And it's like me thinking about this message this morning. You see, if you find yourself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, how many you know you got a problem? Come on. You see, it would be most likely to the last problem you would ever have as well. Think about that for a moment. How awesome would it be to have your resume say, pull out your card and go, yeah, do you have a I'd like to have, you know, I've had people go, do you have a license to preach? Hold on. Lion Slayer. <laughs> it's not a piece of paper that gives you authority. I've never had my license or my, my ordination paper go, in the name of my ordination paper, get out of here, devil. Are you hearing me? The devil use that for toilet paper. It's in the name of Jesus. The Lion of Judah, I come to you. I curse every assignment you have over my life and over people's lives. When you begin to stand in others, see, Ben and I had a, a dream job. You know, he was David's bodyguard. Think about it. But his life exceeded his wildest dreams. He became the commander-in-chief of Israel's army. One decision determined his destiny. Out of all of David's mighty men, I want you to hear me, he was the only one that became a mighty man for King Solomon. The only one. You imagine he served royalty, and in the midst of royalty, he had his destiny. You see, I believe this. For every one of us, there's a destiny God has on your Your one destiny. Your destiny. Your one decision from your destiny. See, inheritance is what you give someone. Destiny is what you put in someone's life. Are you hearing me? And I'm going to share just a, bit, a little bit about that. See, stop running from your fears. Say it when you say, stop running. Look at your neighbor and say, stop running. You can run away from what you are afraid of and become a runner the rest of your life. It's time to face your fears. Take a leap of faith and chase the lion. The things that come at you. In every dream journey, there comes a moment when you have to quit living as if, if the purpose of your life is to arrive safely to death. Are you hearing me? I don't want to just live just to go to heaven. See, you must go after your dream. That's, how many of you have a dream to get beyond some things in your life? Come on. How many of you got some junk in your trunk you've been trying to fight? Come on. How many of you got areas in your life you just don't like about yourself? How many of you saw that your mama had it, your grandma had it, your daddy had it, and you go, I don't want it? And you got to learn to chase after your destiny. See, in plain English, you got to go big or go home. Most of us spend our lives running away from the things we're afraid of. We forfeit our dreams on the altar of fear. No guts, no glory. See, most people believe God is real, but they don't live like it. Thank you for all those amens. I'm sorry. I'm just the guest preacher this morning. Zach is out, but I am his daddy. Faithfulness is not holding down the fort. Faithfulness is chasing a 500-pound line and going after your greatest fears. There's a brand of religion that seems to be okay with breaking even. Let me just say this. Don't do this or that. Just be safe. 
you know, if you just don't stir it up, just, it won't, you know, this is the way it'll be. You know, one of the hardest things I had to do was I have a fourth son. His name's Nathan. And he just got out of jail last week. In fact, I picked him up at 1201 near the Arkansas, Arkansas border. He had, I had pressed charges on him because he stole stuff from me in the church. And I drew the line. He can play any instrument up here and sing as good as anybody sings up here. He's that good. He's gifted. He's got the now. But I made I said, son, if you do these things, I drew a line in his hand. And he walked over the line. And I did what I had to do. And the first thing he said, he said, dad, when they were taking him, he said, no, no, no one does this to their children. When they moved him to a new jail, he began to, he, he said, he said, something clicked in my brain, daddy. It's called reason. And the second night I was there, he said, I put the pillow over my face and I cried like a baby and I asked God to forgive me for everything I've done. And he said, dad, I asked God, God, where are you? And he said, God, dad came, God came to me and he said, I'm right here. He said, I began to read my Bible five to six hours a day. I began to make a stand in jail. They asked me to preach. for the first, They asked me to do a thing every night at 8 o'clock. They'd have a thing called the stand where they go and they, they would pray and they would give a chapel. And he's standing there with all these guys. And the guy goes, why don't you share something? And Nathan said, I just began to share. And he said, guys started getting the free songs. He said, God, Dad, they said it was powerful. They said what I shared was incredible. They'd never heard anybody. And I said, well, they be- that's in you, son. I'm not surprised. He had his own jail ministry. He led people. And when he got honest, the first time he told someone why he was there, it was a young guy named Trey. And he goes, Trey, the reason I'm here, he felt like God said, you need to tell this guy why you're here. And he goes, the reason I'm here is because my dad pressed charges on me. And the young guy, Trey, goes, I'm in here for the same reason. My dad pressed charges on me. Then they met a Pentecostal preacher's kid, and they go, my dad pressed charges on me too. And all of a sudden, he began to find people all around. He wrote me a letter, Dad, forgive me. He read, he read Proverbs 28, 24. It says, when you steal from your mother and father, it's like murdering. He said, I never saw it that way. After I picked him up, he, all the way back, four and a half hours, he preached to me. He turned on the light, Dad, you know, in Isaiah, Dad, you know, James says, Dad, in Corinthians, Dad, 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 preaching to me. I got him to church last week for Mother's Day just in time so he could hear his mama preach. You know what? My wife and I made a stand, Claire knows. Made a stand. Said, we are not going to allow the devil to have you. We begin to chase the lion. Are you hearing me? And you know what he's doing? He's getting ready to go to Bible college in Florida. Praise God. Whatever it takes. See, breaking even, even equals breaking bad. Not like the show. God has called us to play offense with our lives. Those who run away from what's wrong will never amount to more than half Christians. See, when you lack the guts to chase a 500-pound whatever lion, you rob God of the glory he deserves. Are you hearing me? How many of you want God to get the glory for your life? Quit living in ease and comfort. The third thing that I want to tell you, your destiny happens one decision at a time.
Destiny's not a mystery. Destiny's a decision. A daring decision, a difficult decision, a counterintuitive decision. You fulfill your destiny one decision at a time. You are one encounter away from your destiny. Listen, no conflict in your life, no story. What is a testimony? That means I've walked through a test and I got a story to tell about the test that God helped me because I didn't know that I could make it. How many of you got a few stories you can tell about the test you've walked through? We see, I believe this. If you want to live an epic or heroic or impressively great life, you have to overcome epic challenges. You have to take epic risks. You have some epic sacrifice. For David, it was to fight with Goliath. Think about it. I mean, Goliath came out. He was a champion. For 40 days and 40 nights, he stood in the valley and he, he said, Ya mama, to all the Israelites. He did. And David just come to deliver cheese and give a report to his father, Jesse. And his brothers got mad at him. Why are you here? Come to your little tattletale dreamer. They just sat dogging him. You troublemaker. Get out. Dreamer. Schemer. And all of a sudden he goes, who is this? And he gets real personal. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How did he know? I don't know, but I'm just saying that's what the Bible said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's taunting the armies of the living God? And all of a sudden, what he said got back to David. And David's like, who? And he looks at him. The Bible said he was beautiful in face, but he was ruddy looking. I think about my son Luke. He's about 14. He's about 5'8". He's good looking, but he's ruddy. He still hadn't, I mean, he's got horse legs and all this stuff, but you can tell he's got growing room to go. You know what I mean? He's got the frame. And he tries, and Saul tries to give him his armor to go fight, and David's like, I can't fight with this. He said, man, you know, when the lion came at my dad's sheep, God helped me kill it. When the bear came, the Lord helped me kill that. And who is this giant? Who does he think he is? If God was with me then, he'll be with me now. And he went out to face Goliath. And as he faced Goliath, Goliath goes, am I a dog? He looked at me. And literally, you look at it. He goes, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks, boy? And David begins to proclaim, today, I'm going to take your head off. Literally. And we know the rest of the story. He takes a slingshot. Hits him right in the perfect spot. Dies. He pulls out Goliath's sword. He chops off the, line, the, the giant's head. He pulls up the head and shows the army of Israel. And they start. <laughs> all of a sudden, the weakness, their fear and everything. All of a sudden, they become bold. Because they had one guy that was willing to chase a giant in his fear and face it. Are you hearing me? God's looking for people that can people and look and go, hey, that's a champion. You know what? They kill devils. They go after things. They don't believe God. They don't walk in fear and stay there. God's wanting to raise up people here in Crowley that will believe God for a building, for a place. Are you hearing me? He's believing for people. He's believing for the finances that you need to do God great things. I've learned this. You never have to beg for money because you know what? Money always follows ministry anyway. How about Benaniah? 
I mean, he killed two heroes of Moab. Then he runs after a lion and goes into the pit and takes a lion out. I mean, you go, like, that's crazy. You start reading some of David's men, mighty men. One guy, listen, one of David's mighty men killed so many guys with a sword. I think it was like 400. Think about that. That the, the sword stuck to his hand, it said. You think it was his strength? No, it was God with him. Yeah. Yo, mama. Yo, yo, daddy. I mean, how you kill 400 guys with one sword and it sticks in your hand? Think about it. How about Joshua? Joshua, when the whole army's running, he stands still on his horse. And he goes, I ain't going nowhere, Jack. We're facing the field. And as he began to run to the enemy, listen to me. Everybody began to turn around and go, look, brother, they got one crazy man. Let's go after it. God's looking for people that will make a stand. See, in every storyline, there's a defining moment, a turning point. And I believe a tipping point. It's a point of no return. Listen to me. I ain't going back. It's been 37 years. Are you hearing me? I love what they asked when, when, what was it, Phil Robinson. They goes, man, you ain't worried about women and all that stuff when you go to Hollywood. And you like, you're messing around with Miss K. He said, listen, I'm 67 years old. Me and Miss K just aren't trying to hurt each other anymore when we got intimate. You think I'm going to go after some hoozy in Hollywood? I, like, I love what A.W. Tozer you say. You know what? All them Hollywood gals, they all got faces like an angel, but they got morals like an alley cat. Listen, there's just some things I know that I'm going after God. It's been 37 years. Come on. I ain't going nowhere. I might get discouraged. I'm, I'm going to have battles. I'm going to have moments that I have to make decisions. Are you hearing me? I'm going to face discouragement because that comes. Come on. But you know what? I know one thing. I'm not going to allow the enemy to put a spirit of fear in me that I want to run to whatever comes at me no matter what it is. See, I believe this. Inciting ingredients come in two basic varieties. Here, here, things that happen to you that you can't control. I mean, you know, we all have those things. You just can't control. Then there's things you make happen that you can control. See, there might be things you can't control, but there's things you can control, and you need to respond to the thing. Even though you can't, you're not in control of those things, you've got to respond in a different way. Am I in the right church? You might, see, I believe this. You still control your reactions. You might be responsible, but you're, you are responsible. You might not be responsible for what happened, but you are responsible. It's your ability to choose your response that will likely determine what your destiny is going to be like. Let me just say this. The fourth and final part is life is about Inches. Inches. I was reading a story of a guy, a young guy, in 1957. He was 12 years old. His name was Ed Cottmull. Ed Cottmull and his parents are driving cross-country through the, and his family through Yellowstone National Park. And as they were, they were on a canyon road with no guardrails. If you've ever been in the Rockies, they have some of these crazy roads and stuff. 
what happened is a car driving the opposite direction began to drift into their lane. And then when it happens, if that's my car, my wife goes, ah! You know, and that's what his mother did. And his dad quickly began to drive. And, and, and he comes almost two inches from driving off the cliff. That's how close we came to missing Finding Nemo. The Incredibles. Up. Why? Because the president of Pixar, the animation studios, his name happens to be Ed Catmull. We wouldn't have Toy Story, Toy Story 2, or Toy Story 3 that they would have gone off the cliff. Just inches. God is in the business of having a strategy. What does that mean? I, I just, hey. 30, almost 33 years ago, I went to Texas. Pastor Jacob sent me there to go to Bible college. 33 years ago. And while I was there, no, 37 years ago. Now, it's almost 36. While I was there, I was from Louisiana. My wife, whose name is Tracy, was from Fox Island, Washington, I found my fox. She was raised on an island named Fox Island. Anyway. And she met some people and they told her she was going to go to Western Washington University. Either be a teacher or a doctor or whatever she was going to be. She's smart enough to be anything she wanted to be. And, it, and she just, she had known the Lord. Her parents didn't serve God. And she just felt she was supposed to go to Texas. Think about that. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in the providence of God. That God set us up and we became, you know, and then God gives you an attraction gift. It's not from the devil. Come on. And because we met and we got married, I have six children. I was telling Libby a story the other night and I was telling her about destiny and all this stuff. And we were listening. And they had this one guy that liked my wife. And I said, well, baby, if me and mama went and got together, she goes, yeah, but I, she goes, daddy, because the guy that liked her, he was an African-American guy that she went out on some dates with. And she goes, but daddy, if mama would have married him, I'd be black. I said, well, what's wrong with that? She goes, nothing, but I, it'd be different. But I said, I said, but Livy, because me and your mom came together, you came. And then 17 years ago, we moved from Broussard, Louisiana, to Jennings, Louisiana. And that's where Pastor Zach had the attraction gift towards Claire. And back then it used to be, I can't even remember Claire's last, uh, Boggs. It was Claire Boggs. And they were in youth group together. And Pastor Josh was the youth pastor. Come on, think about it. And Claire's mom went to my wife one day and she goes, my daughter's going to marry your son one day. My wife thought, over my dead body. It better be God. And I remember Zach coming to me at 15 years old. He said, Dad, I met my wife. I go, what? No, I'm serious. He did. He said, Dad, I, I, I've met my wife. Go, Who? He said, Claire Boggs. Son, she's beautiful, but we need to. I'm sorry, Claire, but I said this. You got to let heifers graze sometimes in the field before you figure out. If it's really going to be the one. That's what I told him. I'm sorry. She is not a heifer. She's beautiful. And can I tell you something? It's the providence of God. It's the providence of God. 
You see, just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was in Africa last year, around about 10 months ago, and I have a friend, actually Matt, Matt Murray that Zach is with, and another guy named Mayor that lives in South Africa, and Matt's in England. And when I, met Matt, when I met Matt, I said, you need to meet my friend Mayor in South Africa. And I, told, and I told Mayor, hey, you need to meet my friend from England, Matt Murray. Long story short, a month ago, a month and a half ago, they were both in New Orleans and ran into each other. And Matt Murray heard Mayor's accent, and he goes, hey, do you know a guy named Bubba? Because Bubba McCann, he goes, yeah, he told me to meet you. Well, he told me to meet you. Now they met. You know what? I met Matt Murray three years ago yesterday in England. I was on a trip with my spiritual grandfather. He invited me to come. And then at the end of the trip, towards the end, Matt Murray and Becky just came to me and said, Pastor Bubba, out of all the people that's here from America, there was like 17 of us, we're just drawn to you. We just want to, can we get to know you? And like, sure. And last time he was in, God spoke to me. And I told this to Zach. I told it to Matt. I said, God spoke to me. He said, the reason I connected you, Bubba, with Matt, Matt needed you in his life. But there'll be one day that Zach and Matt will walk with each other for the rest of their lives. They're both the same age. They're world changers. They're, they're lion chasers. Are you hearing me? I believe in the providence of God. I don't believe in coincidences. I was at the doctor that day. God went in our church, and Mr. Clayton, he's coming out, and I'm going in, and they come out, and they have good news, and I start praying, and they start praying for I don't believe in, in, in coincidences. I believe in providence. See, let, let, let me just put my cards on the table. I don't believe in coincidence. If you're living a spirit-filled life, providence just means the foreseen care, God's guidance, God's direction, God's, God brings whatever needs to happen into, into play. Are you hearing me? Because God's looking at the big picture. He looks at the eternal picture. We live for the moment where we, sometimes we forget that we live. You know what? Sometimes my destiny might be greater when I leave this earth than while, than while I'm here on this earth. Because it's not what I give people as an inheritance. It's what I put into their hearts and their destiny to live out the dream that God has given them. Does that make sense? Think about the power of the gospel. Jesus died 5,200 miles away from here. But yet even though he died 5,200 miles away from here, the gospel still has effect here in America. Amen? I believe in the sovereignty the sovereign God who's ordering your footsteps, preparing good works in advance, and making all things work together for good. Of course, some things won't make sense until we get to God one day. Come on. Are you hearing me? How come my child was such a brat, Lord? Because you needed it. Some of us, I believe, when we get there, our guardian angel will pimp slap us. You put me through all kinds of... I was hoping to get assigned to somebody else. <laughs> In the meantime, don't worry about meeting the right person if you're single. If you keep doing the right things and be the right person. In, 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 in and day out. 
God will hold up his end of the bargain. Are you hearing me? I prayed for Claire before I saw her. I did. I prayed for her. I prayed for her. All my children, I pray. The hardest one's going to be for my daughter. It will. I have five sons, then the caboose. And she is, I do not spoil her at all. That's a lie. I just confess right now. She knows. She has a way to my heart. I love my boys. Boys are great. Bam, when you have a daughter, Lord. And I'm praying for that God would bring the right person. If you want God to do something new in your life, you can't keep doing the same old thing. What do you need to stop doing today? What do you need to start doing today? Whether it's, stop do, it's a stop doing list or start doing list, a dream without a do list, it's just called wish list. Don't get overwhelmed by the size of the lion. Focus, focus on the first step you have to make. Are y'all with me? Is this making sense at all? You got to focus on, I got to make a step. See, when I trusted Jesus, is a step. Okay, I'm going to trust him. All right? I gave my life to him. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, God, what do you want me to do? That's how my relationship began to start. God, direct me. I didn't. I didn't know the Bible. So I figured, you know what, if I'm going to know him, I better get to know the Bible a little bit. Listen, you will never get excited about my old love letters to my wife Tracy or hers to me because you just don't have an intimate relationship. So they want, you'll think, that's stupid. I can't believe it. We have nicknames for each other, and I'm t- telling you our nicknames. But to y'all, y'all go, that's silly, that's stupid. Oh, can't believe you. But can I tell you something? It doesn't make sense to you because you don't know that person. And see, that's why the Bible is a mystery to many people because they don't know the person of God. They don't know the Father, they don't know the Son, and they don't know the Holy Spirit. And when you don't know, it seems foreign, but when you get to know them, all of a sudden, they become the guide to your life. Amen? See, I just believe this. you got to focus on, if you don't do what God tells you, you become a yesterday man, a yesterday woman. You should have done what you did yesterday. Come to Become a tomorrow person. It's not, I'm going to start today, and tomorrow I'm going to follow through. Let me tell you how God works. There's a guy, there was this young guy, he prayed, and he said, God, send me to someone that you want you want them to know you in an incredible way. But I need you to show me who it needs to be. All of a sudden, he sees this African-American man. He's white, and he sees an African-American man. It's in New York City. And he goes up to the man, and he goes, Hey, man, do you know God? And that guy, first thing, he had a chain with a cross. He goes, I wear him everywhere I go. And he said, but you know, there was a guy about 40, 45 years ago came to me. He was a good-looking little old white man. He had a nice suit. And he told me I need to come and meet the one. And the guy goes, do you know what his name was? He goes, uh, 
um, yeah, I know his name. His last name was Wilkerson. He goes, Wilkerson? You remember his first? Yeah. He goes, David Wilkerson. And he goes, sir, my name is Tyler David Wilkerson. That was my great uncle. How many know God hears your prayers? And you know, his uncle, David Wilkerson, wrote a book called Crossing Switchblade. And one of my favorite stories in the book is about him facing Nicky Cruz. And he was, he, was, he was the gang leader of the Mau Maus. And he said, Jesus loves you, Nicky. And Nicky goes, I'm going to cut you up. And I love what David Wilkerson said. You cut me up into a thousand pieces. And every piece is say, I love you. And God loves you. And he couldn't handle it. He dropped his knife, freaked out. Listen to me. The gospel doesn't need any gimmicks because it's powerful. And I believe this. You got to learn to chase lions in your life. You got to stop running from your fears. Your destiny happens one decision at a time. And life is about the inches and the steps you make.